everyone. Welcome to Bill Talk, and thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. As always, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a disclaimer, if you will. Uh, the opinions expressed on this show, those expressed by me, are my opinions. Those opinions expe- expressed by our guests are our guests' opinions. The reason I bring that up is to let everyone know I think it's always a good idea to do your own research, do your own homework, form your own opinions on whatever the topic or subject at hand may be that we discuss on any given episode. The other thing I wanted to just share before we really kick this off is that um, I do receive a lot of great questions and topic suggestions for these podcasts, but one in particular (laughs) really got my attention that I received just the other day. And it was, uh, I believe it was addressed to Mr. Positivity. So, hey, Mr. Positivity, uh, tell us, is there anything that ever gets you upset? Do you have any pet peeves or anything that bothers you at all? And I thought about it and I'm thinking, well, yeah, I've, I've got some pet peeves. I, I think we all do. So I've decided that I'm going to dedicate this episode to Bill's pet peeves. And I think what you're going to find is that my pet peeves may be a little unusual. And I hope that you won't make any rash judgments when I first bring up each topic or subject, kind of hear me through uh, until I'm done. And and hopefully uh, at least some of what I'm saying is going to make some sense today, but I guess you'll be the judge of that. So here we go. And these aren't necessarily in priority order, but I'm just going to number them uh, just to keep them separate, if you will. So the first one I have on the list. This is a big one, and I wasn't even exactly sure what to call it, but it's any time someone starts out a sentence with something like, well, if it makes you feel any better, or they, they, for whatever reason, they want you to know that whatever your situation is, if you've suffered a setback, an injury, an income loss, a job loss, a breakup, whatever the case may be, their way of dealing with it is saying that, If it makes you feel any better, you may have sprained your wrist, but I know a guy that broke his arm. Or, well, you may have taken a pay cut, but I know someone that lost their house. And here's, I call it the worse off approach. And I guess I give people credit for having good intentions. And and in their own way, I, I believe that when most people do that, they're trying to make you feel better. To me... And why it's right at the top of my list of pet peeves is I look at it from a slightly different angle. I look at it almost as a misery loves company kind of thing. And more importantly, I don't want to elevate the way I feel about my situation, whatever it may be, by thinking, oh, well, someone else has it worse, so I should feel better. I've just never bought into that. I don't want to benefit in any way even if it's just psychologically feeling better because of something that has happened to someone else that may in fact be worse than what has happened to me. I would prefer kind of an opposite approach, if you will. And what I like to focus on is something that is better or someone that has it better and what do we need to do to get you to where you need to be or if you're injured or if there's a breakup or whatever the case may be. What can we do to get you to where this is not a setback? What what can we focus on to get you where you want or need to be? Don't even take the time to level set to think, oh, well, I might not have been knocked. I may have been knocked down three pegs, but 
wow, they know somebody that's knocked down seven pegs. So maybe I'll just take a break for a little while because, you know, clearly I've got a few more pegs that I could be knocked down. No, I want to get right back up, get right back on the horse, get right back to it, whatever the situation may be. So again, I know that it happens. It happens almost every day, every time when you voice something to someone about something that's happened. It is a programmed response. And I think if you think about it, I think you'll agree. You may not agree with how I react to it or the way I feel about it, and that's fine. Like I say in the beginning of every episode, we're all entitled to our own opinions. That's just mine. I would prefer not to hear about the other person or the other people who, for whatever the situation is, are worse off than I am. I would rather see everyone better off. That's how I look at it. So, that's number one. Number two, I'm going to combine a couple of things into this one. And I'm going to use what's been going on in the world of professional baseball as my way of, of trying to explain this, this pet peeve. Um, there's a lot that's been going on in terms of trying to rescue a season, how to do it, how many games, what would it look like, no fans, how do you play baseball while still maintaining social distancing. And there's been so many things floated out there from just a logistical standpoint. But the big issue that seems to be the stumbling block right now is, of course, uh, compensation. And most teams, uh, they get a significant percentage of their revenue from the gate, from concessions, from ticket sales, and things that go on in the stadium. And the number that I've heard is on average about 40%. So it seems as though there's some agreement in terms of a proration of a player's salary. If you're only going to play half the games, then you should get half the salary versus, you know, if you play 81 versus 162 games. But from what I've read and what I've heard, the owners may want to go a step or two further in terms of also factoring in a revenue sharing, which in this particular case would end up being kind of a revenue reduction and kind of spreading that loss that they're going to take inevitably to the players. And um, so somewhere in that, and I know there's a lot more you know, details and, and logistics to it, but somewhere in that is, is the real issue. That's something that's going to happen. They're going to work through it, hopefully, because ironically, baseball has been hurting for quite some time. They have been losing market share in terms of audience. There is an entire generation from uh, surveys and polls that I've read of 18 to 34 year olds in America who actually prefer soccer to baseball. And there was a time when I don't think anyone would have ever dreamed that that could happen, but it has. And I look at it this way. This is an opportunity for baseball to potentially be literally the only game in town. And unfortunately, that may not even happen. But that's not necessarily the aspect that I wanted to really focus on. It's the way I've heard this dispute categorized. What I've heard is, oh, it's just millionaires arguing with billionaires. Or the inverse. It's just billionaires arguing with millionaires. Now, here's my issue or my pet peeve. What difference does it make how much someone makes if there's a dispute or an issue? It's almost as if there is some sort of built-in resentment or, or something 
if, if someone is financially successful, whether it's a player, whether it's an owner, uh, a CEO, whatever the case may be, they are basically worth whatever the market will bear when you're a player. Are the salaries high compared to others? Yes. But I just don't understand why millionaires versus billionaires or vice versa really matters. What matters is the principles involved. What matters is if we have this crisis going on right now, who and how is the revenue shortfall going to be divided up? And, and so who's going to feel the pain? Is it going to be a shared pain? Are the players entitled to a full salary even because they say they have a contract? Um, I don't know. There are 35 to 40 million Americans right now who are out of work, many of whom are still waiting for their first unemployment uh, check to come in. Now, they may or may, may, or may not have had a contract uh, on paper, but they sure as heck had an agreement and something they signed up for when they got their job. So that's really kind of the issue here. And with the owners, if there wasn't this crisis, they'd be making that additional money, uh, that 40% or so from the concessions. So now that they're not, from a principal standpoint, is it the right thing to do to pass along that reduction to the players or should the owners be expected to take that themselves and, and not pass on that reduction? I can tell you that in many other businesses, one of the reasons that we have the high number of people unemployed that we have is because businesses were not in a position to take on the burden of an expense of payroll when they had no revenue coming in. So that's really where, in my opinion, the conversation needs to be focused in terms of what's the right thing to do, regardless of how much money is made. And I remember having a conversation with a friend recently who um, they're in an industry that's, you know, noted for not paying people very well. Although I think after after this uh, pandemic, uh, I do believe that that particular profession, and it is teachers, is probably more respected and more appreciated than ever, especially uh, by parents with young kids who now have had them home for weeks and months on end, maybe have a whole new understanding and appreciation for what teachers go through. But my point was, you know, do I feel that teachers should be paid more? Absolutely. I, I feel that, you know, that's one of the most important jobs that you can have. Just like police officers, firefighters, there's so many jobs out there that should be paid more than they're paid. But the real issue, if we're being honest, is that whatever that salary is that you're offered in any of those jobs, to the best of my knowledge, it's not a surprise you have a pretty good idea of what the industry pays when you go into it. If you're working toward a degree in something that's going to hopefully land you a job in a particular field, I'm sure you've done some research. I'm sure that when you go on the interview, the salary and the compensation at some point is discussed. And at some point, it's agreed to. It's not as if they offer you a job, keep the salary a secret, and then spring it on you two weeks after you start. So if you know what the pay is or the compensation is going in, I'm not quite sure how you can really be upset, you know, shortly thereafter. And that was a particular case with this individual that I was talking to. So I know we all want more. Everybody does. It's only natural. And I can sit here and say all day long, I could list off a dozen different, you know, vocations that I think that should be paid more. But positions and people are paid based on what the market will bear. And that's just an economic fact. So 
again, I think that that particular thing with baseball, with the income, it should just be about what the issues are, not how many uh, decimal points or zeros there are before the decimal point on someone's paycheck. Just my opinion. All right, now I'm going to take a, uh, a turn off, going to veer way off course here on this third one. This is one that, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, when people are texting or, or using Messenger or some other form of written communication and they put LOL at the end of a sentence, here's what I've noticed. If you're putting LOL at the end of a sentence, if you're doing it because it's funny or you think it's funny, isn't that why they have the smiley face emojis just to be a little more clear rather than just typing LOL? I think we typed LOL before we had emojis. We have emojis now. Why not use the visual medium? But I've also noticed that LOL sometimes has another uh, meaning behind it or another reason why it's used. And I like to call it a fishing expedition. Sometimes people will, will text or message something that they're not sure if they should really say it or not. But if they couch it by preceding or following the statement or question with LOL, it somehow makes it okay. I don't quite get that. If there's something you want to ask or something you want to say, here's the thought. Just ask it or say it. There's no need to put an LOL. And another thing to think about is if you have to put LOL in front of or behind what you're saying, maybe it's not the right time to say it. So just a thought. But if it's a joke or you want to make sure that they know it's a joke, by all means, they have enough different smiley or laughing emojis now. You can take your pick. I use them all the time and I love them. So that's number three. Number four, first dates, first interviews. I've talked about this issue in the past and I still don't get it. Why can't on both of those situations, whether it's a first date, two people meeting each other for the same first time, or a job interview where an applicant and a prospective hiring company or person, they're meeting for the first time, why can't we just cut the crap? Think of all the time and angst we'd save by just being who we are, saying how we feel, saying what we want, saying what we're looking for, whether it's a first date or a first interview. Just imagine how much better of a place the world could be if there was more honesty expressed in first dates and first interviews. How many times in a relationship do we get a couple of months in and think, oh man, whew, if I'd have known they had that habit or if I'd have known they did that on the first date, there probably wouldn't have been a second one. Or if I'd have known they felt that way about that issue, or if I would have known they were a Dallas Cowboys fan right up front, it would have been over. Sorry, couldn't help it. Same thing on the interview. If the job's going nowhere, or there's no potential to grow in the position, or the job has a 98% annual turnover rate because of how crappy it is, uh, those are things that you, know, you might want to find a way to disclose, or you're going to continue to have a 98% turnover rate and unhappy employees. By the same token, if you're the potential employee, make sure your resume is based in fact. Make sure it's not your name on top of someone else's resume. Make sure that when you say to that hiring manager or that person, I'll do anything to get this job. I'll work day and night. I'll do whatever it takes to get this job. 
I've heard those lines hundreds and hundreds of times. And generally, they're followed within the next couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months by something like, what do you mean I have to work a weekend? What do you mean I have to stay past five? What do you mean I've been here for three months and I haven't gotten a raise? If you have expectations that are important to you, why not get them out up front on the first date, on the first interview? Again, think of what a better place and happier place, harmonious place the world could be if we all just were a little more upfront on those first dates and first interviews. Okay, here's the last one for today. This one's a big one. Maybe this one should have been first because I'll bet you that even though I may not have a whole lot of people who agree with me on the prior pet peeves, on the Build Talk pet peeves list, I'm pretty sure I can get a majority of folks to agree with me on this one. Is there anything more frustrating than pulling up an episode of a show that you want to watch on demand and you see the little box pop up that says fast forward functionality is disabled on this program or something to that effect. And in the good old days, when you could actually watch a show on demand without commercials, you could get through that hour-long show in about 42 minutes because that's about all the programming that there was. But today, with most of the good shows, they still have either the original or some other form of advertising built in. It may now take you 54, 55, or 56 minutes to get through that hour-long show. But more importantly, you can't even fast-forward past the commercials. Now, when you have a cable bill that resembles a car payment, you would think that there'd have been enough money collected to allow you to watch the shows on demand uh, with the ability to fast forward to the commercials or to not even have them in there in the first place. So again, that's just one that I haven't been able to figure out. I don't know if that's actually factored in now to the advertising cost to potential advertisers. Maybe that's how that works these days. Maybe in order to, to get a spot on a show, you've got to pay a little bit more. And in exchange for paying a little bit more, your commercial is actually going to be shown on demand in addition to the live broadcast. So <clears throat> if that's the case, I'd like to know it. Maybe I'd feel a little bit differently about it because otherwise it just seems to be sort of an unnecessary annoyance. Hence it landing on my list of pet peeves. Thank you again, everyone, as always, for listening. Thank you so much for sending in your suggestions and questions. Please keep them coming. Send any thoughts, feedback, or questions that you have. Uh, feel free always to chime in on my Facebook page where I post the links to these podcasts from iTunes or SoundCloud. Chime in on iTunes. Chime in on SoundCloud. Uh, or send an email to billtalk99 at gmail.com billtalk99 at gmail.com. Until the next time.